The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we'll review Austin FC's home and season opener, a big 5-0 win against FC Cincinnati. We're also going to have uh, a really fun interview with Matt Doyle of MLSsoccer.com and Extra Time. My name's Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody, I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And I know we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, so I don't think we're going to spend a whole long time on sort of opening remarks and comments. But I do, I do want to invite everybody to join us today for most of you on Tuesday at 6 p.m. at Turnstile Brewing to come, uh, come out and hang out with us when we do a little live show and talk some Austin FC with Pam Cato from Craft Beer Austin. I think we're going to learn about Texas Beer Company. It'll just be a fun time to hang out on the patio and enjoy spring weather again after we had some super cold weather over the weekend. Yeah, we did a couple of events with Pam uh, last year and a lot of fun, just kind of a little panel slash Q&A thing. Uh, so come and ask us questions about Austin FC, ask us questions about really whatever else you want to, because we're not screening these questions, so <laughs> get right. away with whatever you want pretty much. Um, we also want to remind you that Swoon Tower Soccer came out on Friday, Um I say this in that episode, we understand that Swoon Tower is not going to be for everyone. That's why we put it in its own episode. But the people who it is for, it's very much for them. And we have some, already have some very diehard fans of Swoon Tower Soccer. So give that a listen. We're also running the Fan Vote Smile Tournament on Twitter this week. So first round uh, ran on Monday. The second round will go on Tuesday and we'll be running that through the rest of the week. So listen to that episode and then get on Twitter and vote for your favorite Austin FC smiles. I was going to, I want to jump in. I was one of the people that voted. I voted this morning. It was pretty early on and I was happy with how many people had already gotten in ahead of me. Um, like I didn't know what to expect. You never know what to expect from a Twitter poll in terms of participation, but like there were a lot of folks that had interest in how those turned out. And, uh, I had a couple picks that were different from what y'all did on the show. So I'm interested to see what the people think about the best smiles on the team. (laughs) Um, Another announcement. We kind of hinted at this on a show a few weeks ago, but we are officially launching our Patreon. So for folks who don't know, Patreon is essentially a way for people to support uh, the artists or content creators that they like. And it's by way of monthly subscriptions. And so um, the way ours is going to be set up, we'll have three three different membership levels. So the bottom tier is uh, the supporter tier at $2 a month. Uh, What you'll get is our eternal thanks. And then you'll also get access to patron-only posts where we'll give uh, updates on plans for the show. We'll ask for some input and feedback. We'll probably, like whenever we get some cool uh, cool interviews lined up, we'll probably let you guys know a little bit before, maybe ask for some questions uh, from, from our patrons. And then occasionally, we're not going to promise a lot of this, but we will occasionally be posting some, some bonus content, maybe some, uh, some writing from Jeremiah, maybe some video content occasionally. Um, but this is this supporter tier, this $2 a month tier, Uh, I think is a way to think of it as like a tip jar, kind of like you appreciate what we do and you want us to be able to continue doing it as as regularly as we do it. Um, The next tier up is the starting 11, five dollars a month. What you'll get is everything you got with the 
the $2 a month tier plus a Moontar soccer koozie and some Moontar soccer t- stickers. Uh, and then the top tier is going to be the captain tier at $10 a month. What you get there is everything you get in the first two tiers plus a Moontower Soccer enamel pin. Uh, and then we're also, for the $10 a month subscribers, we're going to guarantee one question per month answered on a show. And so we want to reassure you that these shows will always be free. We're not going to charge for the shows. Uh, so if you don't have the disposable income to become a patron, totally fine. These shows are always going to be free. Uh, if you still want to support the show and don't have a couple extra bucks, then tell a friend about the show. Help spread the word. We appreciate that just as greatly. Uh, but if you do have a couple of extra bucks, we would greatly appreciate you becoming a uh, a member of our Patreon and uh, helping us out a little bit. Yeah, I, that's I'm excited about being able to do that. Um, and I think it'll be it'll be cool to do. But like you said, I mean, it's really important that the community is the most important thing about all this. And so we, we enjoy that. We enjoy the folks that have supported us. Um, I think we've told Marcelo Tesson that we will try to pronounce uh, Argentinian teams in the right way <laughs> in order to make sure that he continues, at, that, that, he, that he ups, that he joins us. I think that was one of his requirements. At $20 a month, I will pronounce any word however you want me to. <laughs> there you go. That's a beautiful <laughs> addition. So yeah, we look forward to be able to do that and add a little content. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into the Austin FC season opener. A big 5-0 win versus FC Cincinnati. Um, this was a fun one, Jeremiah. And leading up to the game, Austin FC released one of their always amazing hype videos. Uh, it's They just hit every time. Every video thing they release is amazing. And this one was a little bit special to us because it featured the voices of our two favorite podcasters, us. Right, yeah. And I liked it. It, it featured me saying that Josh Wolf <laughs> needs to learn. I don't know if he's capable of it right when it, <laughs> right when it faded to black. And then Josh Wolf said you could find negativity everywhere. So I really, <laughs> it's a really dramatic moment there, you know. So, I mean, it was good. I was, it was cool to find that out, to be included with that. I had Aggie from the Fighting Leslie's texting me. He's like, hey, I heard your voice on the new video this afternoon. And I had no idea what he was talking about. So I had to go out and find it. And I was like, oh, yep, that's a, that's me. That's Landon. Here we yeah, are. I had, a, I had a busy day at work that day, too. And I hadn't seen it yet until you texted me. I <laughs> turned it on. But yeah, it was, it was kind of fun to get cast as the semi-villains in the video. And the game... Like we're very, I'm very happy to be wrong about it so far. Like that, that was the best part of it, is that so far... We're in great shape. The best team in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Um, so I think the biggest questions leading into this game were, I mean, I mean, partially the weather. Like, what was the weather going to be? We expected it to be bad, and it was, was kind of bad. bad. Not yeah. as bad as it could have been, but it was not good either. It was very cold, raining most of the day, but ended up not having downpours. Had some decent breaks in the rain. Um, so it didn't hinder the day too much. I say the cold was worse than the wetness. <laughs> it, it was. And I wondered a little bit how that would affect the play on the field. And I mean, it did not, you know, cause I mean, it was, it was wet. It, cause it had rained. It didn't rain a lot, but it rained that morning. I think maybe it rained the day before, but like, you couldn't tell from the play on the field, like the, it was not a heavy ball. You know, the guys could do all yeah. the things. The turf held up really well. Um, you know, there weren't big chunks coming out or anything. And so I was pleasantly surprised by sort of how the whole, 
it didn't affect the match day experience. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought everything looked okay. Uh, I think the other big question was who was going to start? How many of the new guys will we see? So um, we ended up seeing, I guess, two or three debutants for Austin FC as far as uh, MLS games go. We'll get into that starting lineup here in a little bit. Um, another thing that I wasn't quite sure about was the attendance. Were you concerned about uh, turnout due to the weather? I was a little concerned about turnout overall. I was not concerned about whether the South End would be full, but just from reading the Facebook group and Reddit and Twitter, like it seemed like there were, pl- and talking to other people who are maybe not quite as dedicated, it seemed like there were people that were looking to offload their tickets. You know, I don't know the prices sort of collapsed a little, didn't collapse, but they were going down on seat geek the closer it got to the game. So I was a little worried about the attendance. Um, and I thought it was great. I mean, yeah, not I every seat was full, really but well. it was. It was it was really strong, you know. It was very very full. Um, it was a late it was a late arriving crowd, right? People people didn't show up an hour early to stand in the cold, but by ten minutes before the match, it was mostly full. Yeah, a couple of little bald patches here and there, but um, I even could even see like in that north end, people standing up along the concourse. I don't know if they were more protected from the rain up there once it started raining in the second half or what, but. I, yeah, I thought the turnout ended up being really good. Uh, the The South End was rocking and packed. So like every once in a while in a game on the South End, you can see those corners aren't entirely full, but it was packed to the gills, even up into those top corners up there. Yeah, and one thing on the broadcast, like the angle was a little bit different uh, and it was drawn back a little bit. I think it was kind of from the north, maybe the northwest corner, but you could just, when the when the action was in the South End, you could just kind of see that South End like, pulse it was amazing just like waves of bodies jumping up and down and moving and and all those things like that was a great environment the other thing on the south end that we got to see a little bit was the um debut i guess it was the first official preseason like pregame show with adrian and mike there in the south west corner in the in the booth they set up which is really cool to be able to stand and watch and there were a bunch of people that sort of stood around and checked out the pre-match show which started 30 minutes before the match and ended up on tv which is a nice addition this season i know some folks were a little bit worried originally about how much commitment there was to like the overall broadcast experience beyond the game, but they've really stepped it up this year. Yeah. And I, I didn't get a chance to watch it until afterwards, but I, I think they're doing a really good job. It's like quality content and worth, worth watching. So uh, I, I, they're going to be doing that stuff for a week. Yeah, they're going to do it from well, they, I don't, they're not going to do it from there, but like yeah, the locally broadcast away games, I guess, but yeah. Um, I'll, I'll definitely be tuning into those. And then uh, for these, the ones that we've seen so far, I've gone back and watched them after the fact, and it's been worth my while. So well done. All right. So jumping into the starting 11, we kind of referenced this a bit, but we saw a, there were really just a couple of spots that we weren't sure about. So we saw Brad Stuver in goal, Jean Kolmanich at left back. And the center backs was one of the big question marks. So we ended up seeing Kip Keller and Julio Cascante. Um, we didn't think we'd see Ruben, but like last week we said like surely that we're not going to see Ruben. And then as the week went on, I was like, maybe we'll get to see Ruben. He didn't start. He came in the 65th minute and got, got some minutes in, but uh, Kip and Julio started it out. Nick Lima right back. Uh, the other one that we kind of questioned, we, we kind of thought Danny Pereira was going to start the six and that's what we ended up seeing. And then uh, Ring and Drew see ahead of him, then Cecilio, Uruti, and Fagundes on the front line. Any other, no, no other surprises there, right? The rest not, of them we pretty much expected. Yeah, not really, but I think the 
we didn't think we were going to see Ruben because we thought we were going to see some Johan Romagna. And Romagna not even making the... Being a healthy scratch and not even making the roster roster for the first match, I think was a little bit surprising to me. That's right. We talked about this last week, that there's going to be some some tough decisions um, going into this, like the roster decisions, and that some bigger bigger names on this team were not going to be on the bench. And so some of those guys were Johan Romagna, um, Jared Stroud was not on the bench. I think those are probably the two big ones, right? Was there anybody else that you were surprised to not see there? No, it was re- it was really probably those two. And it seemed like Josh was continuing trying to send a message to Romagna with his omission about that he that last week, you know, when he that it was really about sort of fitness and preparation. You know, when we thought maybe he was injured, but it turned out that he wasn't hurt that bad. It was just kind of cramped. So, I mean, hopefully, hopefully he responds the right way to that. Another thing that I thought was, um, maybe we saw, we ended up getting five subs and we saw all those other, we saw a lot of new guys um, along with that. So I feel like there's lots of people that got their first chance to see like Austin FC action in this match because Gabrielson come in, Valencia, Felipe, and Ethan Finley all got action in substitutes. They broke, they broke them right in. Yeah, which is to have, I, I think I've talked about this too much at this point, but to have those guys coming on. The, I looked back at some of the early games from last year. The guys we were bringing on in those first five or six games were Sebastian Berhalter, uh, Aiden Stanley, Kakuta Mane. To go from that to bringing on Ethan Finley, Johan Valencia, um, Felipe Martins, like these guys are a step above what some of our starters were last year. And now we have these guys coming off the bench. That's that's amazing. Um, so going into the first goal here, uh, we'll, we'll run through the goals and we'll kind of go through and talk about certain player performances we wanted to highlight. But first goal was in the second minute. Uh, Jean Kolmanich was taking a free kick from pretty deep on the left side. <laughs> he plays it in kind of hard towards the penalty spot. First Cincy player comes up and just kind of whiffs it. <laughs> Several other players are ball watching and the ball just kind of bounces past them. Nobody even sees Cecilio Dominguez arriving at the back post and smashes it in. Uh, so a little bit fortunate for Austin there. Uh, I think Cincinnati could have and should have done a lot better on it. But Austin capitalized on it, which was was good to see. Um, second goal was in the 14th minute. Uh, it was a, a period of like pretty sustained pressure uh, from Austin, like pretty long uh, period of possession with several shots, block shots and saves and stuff, and finally led to a corner. The original service was punched away by Alec Khan, the goalkeeper, won by Lima at the top of the box, who plays a really clever ball over the top to Ring, who is running, running in behind to the back post. Ring is one on one with the keeper and winds up to smash the 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 ball and kind of scuffs it <laughs> and it just like bounces on the turf and then just it kind of bounced over the, over the keeper's head right because I don't think any, I don't think anybody expected the ball to go that way. Ring clearly was not trying to play that shot that way for sure. Yeah, it seemed like it moved so slow, but uh, Khan, the keeper, had already kind of left his feet to to try to save the ball low. And he just couldn't do anything. So he's like falling and just had to watch the ball go over his head and land in the, land in the goal. Uh, so uh, like well worked. The rest of it well worked. A little bit fortunate with the finish there because Ring at least made enough uh, enough contact there that 
it was so little contact that it was like deceptive and ended up being helpful in the end, but not what he meant to do. The third goal was the 43rd minute. Uh, another long spell of possession. Diego uh, found Drusi in the box. Diego is out wide right, finds Drusi in the box. He back heals it to Ring, who then back heals it to Diego, who had continued his run. Diego cuts it back to find Drusi, who did really well. Drusi was offside after a bit, did really well to kind of track back and get in position to receive it again. Receives it, turns, lets the ball run, hits it really hard, low and right at Khan. And it, I don't know that he meant this. I think he was trying to hit it just inside that that near post, but it goes uh, in between Khan's feet off of his right foot and into the goal. Um, that's not the last time a, a ball will go off of Khan's right foot and into the goal. We'll get to that one in a second. Uh, but that I thought that was really well worked. Again, Cincinnati probably should have defended it a little bit better, but it's really encouraging to see them just trying stuff like that even. Yeah, that buildup was amazing. I mean, how many times have you watched that video? The, like uh, the several, 13 several. second clip. Every <laughs> time it comes up or somebody retweets or whatever, I'm like, yes, that is amazing. And it was good to see, um, you know, all like the connection. And I think it just kind of shows that, that, that this is something that I think Josh talked about too. Like good players find good players. And it's just like the the, the ways that Ring and Juicy and Diego work together are just something that we didn't see last year. And um, it's super encouraging, and I know we there's differing opinions on whether Alex Ring like really is like that offensive player, but you know, like just seeing those guys working that working that ball sequence is the best that you can hope for out of Austin. Yeah, and that that quote from Wolf is he was specifically talking about Ring and Drusi, right? And just they really do seem to have like a special chemistry that they find each other and are just looking for each other. And I think there's just like that that like nod, right? That like I think they see each other and like, you're a real footballer. I'm going to play with you. And not to say that they think the other guys are bad, but I think they're just like, they both have that kind of next level mentality. And I don't know that ring necessarily executes it all uh, as, as smoothly or as cleanly as some other players might. But the fact that he has that IQ and like that on field intelligence, I think that's a lot of why him and uh, Drew see link up so well. Um, next goal is in the 61st minute. Uh, this is uh, Cincinnati just made a couple of their first substitutions. Um, there's a throw in ring just kind of taps it back to ring was under pressure and he just kind of like pokes it back to Danny. Danny, without even thinking twice, just winds up, boots it up field over the top to Driussi, who uh, outruns Jeff Cameron and just kind of gets his ball in between or gets his body in between Cameron and the ball runs into the box long enough to make the keeper kind of commit, taps it over to Cecilio, who uh, none of the other defenders seem to even notice was running up the backside, and uh, Cecilio buries it. And so Cecilio had missed a chance not long before this. Maybe, uh, I don't know, I think it was in the second half, but um, Aruti set him up really well on the backside for for a, a pretty much an open net, and Cecilio hit it into the south end stands and so i was glad to see him get a similar chance again and finish this one and that ball from danny was was amazing like i don't even it was like i don't know what well on the broadcast because the camera's running a little behind i mean i in the moment didn't know didn't even know who it was like i watched like three times to see because you just see this ball launch like in the perfect position and 
for him him to have that kind of creativity or to take that kind of shot is really impressive because there's a lot of other things that could have happened there. And to have that like intelligence to think like, you know what, I'm going to lay this ball, I don't know, 30 yards downfield for, for Trujillo to run in, under was amazing. I think it's a thing that they're, they're being told to look for. Like they've been drilling this. I watched this sequence several times through the game where one of the tins will drop in to, to support the buildup play. As they swing it to the other side, the other 10 runs long. And so like the six will drop in. Um, the wingers like Cecilio will drop in to support and ring will run long. Or if ring drops in, they'll swing it the other way and Drewsi will run long. And they're looking for that long pass uh, as it gets over to the fullback where they would have just looked for a short, like one touch pass last year. They're looking for that deep ball this year. And so I think it comes from that probably, but I, I look to see if like, if Drewsi and, and Danny were looking at each other, communicating before that. And I didn't see it, but Drewsi is uh, stretching that front line. So him and Uruti are both on that right side, pushed up really high and just like kind of ready for it. And so I don't know that they they like said anything to each other, but I think it is a, a thing that they were told to look for. And so to see the ball come in there and Danny without didn't think about it, it wasn't panicked. It was like, yep, this is what I'm doing. Boom. And just smashed it. And it was a really great ball. But um, I yeah, I thought that was great. Um, the last goal comes in the 93rd minute. So it was a really nice ball slipped through by Felipe for uh, Musa, who was running up the right side. So he gets into space. A defender was able to kind of catch up to him and is trying to close him down on the end line. Musa just kind of flicks it over one side, like flicks it past him on one side and runs around. And then he's in on the keeper uh, right there on the touchline again. He tries to smash it really low to Diego, who's crashing the box. But it catches, again, Alex Kahn's right foot and goes into the goal. And so it, the angle it was on, his shot was not actually on target. Uh, so I think it was actually given as an Alec, Alec Kahn own goal, which I think is fair. But uh, very much so created by that pass by Felipe and then that creativity from, from Musa at the end. So really well earned. Yeah, that was one. You hate to see him not get the goal. But to your point, that was kind of like the... Uh... Pochettino's second goal when he was player of the week last year that he managed yeah. to get he managed to keep where that ball was probably not bound for the net unless uh but unless he still created it and like deserved he created it, yeah deserved it yeah so hopefully there'll be other chances for Musa to get it because he that I mean it was all him up until the very last moment yeah so okay so five nil fans are excited and I think to a degree, deserve to be, right? Like, beating anybody 5-0 is a big deal. That being said, uh, I, Cincinnati looks pretty bad. And also, I don't, know that, I, I don't know that I would call this a great performance by Austin FC either, which is strange to say. But there are things that could be improved. Um, one of the things I think is the the center back still looked a little bit vulnerable at times. Uh, Cincinnati played four four two with like a diamond in the midfield and then two big strikers up top, and they were very often looking to play long balls into those big strikers, and it worked a lot of the times. 
And if it weren't for very poor finishing by those two guys, especially Brandon Vasquez, um, it very easily could have been 2-1 Cincinnati in early in the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe when we talk about individual players, we can get into this a little bit more because uh, Julio kind of had a Julio game, but you know Kip Keller was both very good and like very left me feeling very nervous at the same time. Um, and I don't know if going down the road, like if you can have those two guys in together because of that, like that's you need you need a steady hand. <laughs> I don't know that either of them are that steady hand. Yeah. Is there any other um, any other reasons you could see to not be so excited or like to temper the excitement? I mean, all you know, all the things broke right for us. You know, like we converted our chances. You know, the like other Cincinnati got caught ball watching. Like the weird things that happened worked out for us. Like rings. Kick, but I feel like those all those things ended up on the other side next year. And there were so many games like last last year. I mean, there were so many games last year where it's like, oh, well, we dominated. You know, we had more possession. And the X goals were even, or the or we were hit next goals. They didn't pan out. So you know what? It's about time that things break our way. And I feel like if you're a good and deep team, you kind of this is like such a sports cliche, but you end up making your own luck. And I feel like that's kind of what Austin did. Like if you're just if you throw enough guys in the box. And you're relentless enough in the attack. I think things are going to break your way. So it's still Cincinnati. And maybe, you know, next week, Miami's probably pretty bad too. Maybe they'll still be like, it's just Cincinnati, Miami. But I don't, I think we should just go full steam on ahead. I'm thinking that this is like a fundamentally different team this year, given what we saw last week. Yeah. So I think we just mentioned some reasons maybe to temper excitement, but I think there are reasons to be excited as well. I think last year we, we played down to bad teams pretty regularly. Uh, if we were playing a team that was on our level or worse than us, we would kind of play that way. And that didn't happen. We, we played against a bad Cincinnati team and we rocked them. Like, although some of the goals were a little bit fluky and maybe they should have scored some, most of them were from well-worked positions and really well-earned positions that that maybe one little thing broke our way, but it wasn't entirely luck. So I think that's something to be positive about. Uh, the players were just playing with with flair and confidence and a fight that we did not see very often last year. Uh, they, I don't know that our players looked confident, especially attacking last year very often. Yeah, I would and, say they were they were doing a lot of like playing and not thinking about what they were supposed to do, yeah. right? They were just living in the moment and reacting and moving and and not just... There was the uh, there was less of Devin's, like, triangle of passing uh, sadness the, or whatever. The horseshoe of sadness. The horseshoe of sadness. There was less of that, and it was more like it just came naturally, and, the, and they, were, they were doing what came to them and just sort of playing the sport. Um, I think another thing is, I mean, talking about... We already talked about the depth a little bit, but I think... Tactically, there are things to be uh, encouraged by as well. We we had the big question, uh, the, the question that, that got us cast as as the baddies in the in the hype video. But uh, like, will will Josh Wolf adapt? Is is he humble enough to learn and adapt from from mistakes and uh, things that didn't work from last season? I think we're seeing that he is. We talked about looking for those long balls, uh, being a bit more pragmatic in the buildup. Um, and then also just like not playing a bit more direct, like not only the long balls, but just like 
going, whenever there's there's moments to break forward, taking those moments because the first half, even though we um, we were up three nil at halftime, I think possession was like fifty one forty nine in favor of Austin, and yeah. so it's not like we were just passing the ball around. We were we were passing with intention and with conviction, and like we we're gonna do something with it. And so I think, like you said, they were playing. It wasn't just going through some motions. They were doing things with a purpose. And then whenever the the opportunity presented itself, they were playing soccer and trying to do something good with the ball. Yeah, it's like you you mentioned with Cecilio where he had some opportunities. You know, we didn't it's not like we converted every single chance either. You know, we had there were there were there were multiple chances that we had that we didn't convert. And it was just we we created so many more than Cincinnati that they that they panned out. Yeah, Cecilio, the one that so expected goals Again, I think it's a new season, so I'll uh, put this caveat on here that expected goals is a stat meant to be used over long periods of time, and so it's not always super useful in a single game, uh, single game context. But it's still a little bit useful in a single game context. But uh, XG in this game ended up being Austin was like just over three, uh, Cincinnati was one point three, and so that's still a little bit high. Um, going back to kind of the negatives and where Austin can still improve. Uh, but yeah, that, that miss by Cecilia was like 0.3. So it's like a 30% chance of scoring, which he really should make. But um, yeah, lots of, lots of really good looks. I think it was 19 total shots, uh, five shots on target. One of, one of which was not the goal. So like Musa's shot was not on target. But went <laughs> That's in. true. <laughs> um. But yeah, just some some really encouraging things. And looking at uh, before the game in this uh, the pregame show, Michael Hood will do what he calls the Lahood mood, and he kind of gives his keys to the game. And what he said was uh, wide play, so switching the ball against the narrow Cincinnati shape. They play that diamond, so there's there's some space on the outside to be exploited. I thought. Um, the midfielders, especially Danny, did a really good job of whenever it was swinging around, they would receive it, look over to that far side and play the ball quickly. And then the whole team would push up in, in transition right there. Uh, that that worked really well. Defensive transition, again, I think we could do better at this, but there's a fight there and like a, a commitment to it that we didn't always see last year, which was really encouraging. And then the last point was the first goal, which Austin FC got the first goal very early, which I think really helped uh, helped kind of dictate the pace of the rest of the game. Well, as Josh Wolf says, goals change games. <laughs> exactly. So many times last year. It was always after we didn't score the first goal. Um, let's talk about a few player, individual player performances. Um, so Kip Keller. I've seen a lot of people be super high on Kip Keller. Um, deservedly so. Young guy, promising guy. And we're going to get into this a little bit with with Matt Doyle later on. Uh, I thought he was really solid, some really good moments, but also had a few shaky moments um, and probably could have been a little bit better. And I, there's actually a uh, good friend of mine, Kevin Morris, who many of you probably follow on Twitter. He tweeted that uh, Keller had a very good pro debut, and I think some fans overrated his performance a little bit. 
He was shaky at times. That said, all of his upside was was visible too. Excellent passing range, high soccer IQ, elite athlete, should keep getting starts. I think that's spot on. I think he's you see the upside. He's not all the way there yet, but I think the mistakes that he's making are no worse than what our starters were making last year. And so I, I see no reason, even though I'm, I'm like trying to temper the expectations here a little bit, I think Kip Keller should continue starting for this team. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to disagree with that. I mean, he does the stuff that people love, too. I think that's, that's all you get those these big reactions, right? Like he makes the big tackles. He made a great tackle after he got a yellow. You know, he seems he like, you know, he's a physical player and he's he's confident, you know, and he was like jumping he was right in the middle of the pile after the goal and stuff like he does all the things that people love to see um but he definitely has some stuff to work on yeah he's a little bit like over eager to to go after a play sometimes which pulls him out of position and we got exposed a little bit and like a better team will expose us and punish us for for things like that so it's things that he'll learn he seems to be a willing learner as well so uh it's things he'll learn but the yeah, just the mentality, the the IQ is there. He just needs some experience, which hopefully uh, he'll have in in 10 games. He's not going to be perfect in 10 games, but I think with just a handful of MLS games under his belt, he'll he'll improve greatly. Um, next one, another young guy, Danny Pereira, which I saw someone, somebody told me this a few weeks ago, and then I saw someone post it in Los Verdes Slack the other day, but Kip Keller and Danny Pereira were born on the same day in this, the same year. I saw that. I did not verify that, but I, I mean, I can't imagine somebody would make that up, but that's incredible. That's, yeah, hell of a job, Claudio, from our two generation Adidas super draft picks <laughs> for the exact same age. Uh, but I thought Danny had a fantastic game. I thought he was so good. Uh, he he heard all of us saying over the last few weeks that, oh yeah, Daniel probably starts the first game, but Valencia is going to start pretty soon after that. And he's like, nope, I'm not going to let that happen. And just balled out. He was really good. Um, Played really aggressively in defensive transition, went really hard into 50-50s, was letting those midfielders know that he was there and wasn't going to let them just turn around and play the ball easily. Um, I think physically, and this is something else we'll get into too with, uh, with Matt Doyle in that interview, but I think physically it's always going to be really difficult for him to be a dominant defensive midfielder. But with the mentality that she, he's showing and the work ethic that he's showing, if you add that on top of what he's capable of offensively, he's always going to have a spot on the field. Like I, he, I think uh, Valencia might take that starting spot from him for certain games or permanently. Um, but, Danny Pereira has shown that he is uh, an asset to this team and he's going to get minutes, whether it's spelling other players or as a starter. But uh, he's he's been very good in the last two games we've seen him play. Um, other player I want to talk about is Sebastian Driussi. Uh He actually had some pretty poor moments that we've not really seen him have. He gave the ball away pretty needlessly a few times and in like a couple of times in some dangerous positions where he just like a little bit careless or maybe a little bit overconfident and just gave it to gave it to Cincinnati. That being said, he was still one of the best players on the field. Uh, I think both of those things can be true <laughs> that everything else he did was uh, mostly so good that like you easily forgive these other things. And also, like I said, we haven't really seen him do that before. Um, 
Maxi Aruti, only two shots, uh, but worked really hard in the press, worked really hard defensively, uh, was making these runs to stretch the back line and kind of opened up some space in the mid- midfield. So I thought he, even though he didn't have a lot of um, offensive production, he did have a pass, the pass that Cecilio, the goal that Cecilio didn't score, that would have been an assist from from Maxi there. Um, but I, I thought he was still very useful to have on the field, even though he didn't have a ton of offensive production. And then Cecilio Dominguez, MLS team of the week, two goals. I thought he exactly what we've been talking about. He played his role really well. Uh, he's not having to be the guy, not having to be the playmaker. And he seems to be settling into that really well. So I think like within his role, I think he had some really well-placed and effective shit housing with some of the times that he went down. Um, I feel like two times where Cecilio laid down on the ground for a little bit longer than some people maybe wanted him to. It was when Cincinnati maybe had a little bit of momentum or the game was getting a little bit frantic and it kind of like helped to calm the game down. I don't know if that's intentional by Cecilio, but if it was like, bravo. It, it, it works out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was there was one time when I actually got legitimately worried about him because he did come off the field for a moment. Yeah. It, yeah, once. And I was like, oh, no, he's it's just like the boy who cried wolf. He's actually hurt this time. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a game. So he was on the player of the week. He was on the team of the week. You know, and your your point on Driussi, I saw on the, uh, you know, I think it's FOTMOB has like their just like player ratings, best 11, and they had Driussi um, in, in their best 11 for the week. Like he was on the MLS, like the MLS official team, but he, like an 8.1 or whatever he got from them. So, I mean, even with what he did, he had a great week. Yeah, I think I honestly would have picked Driussi as my man of the match. Um, I think he ended up with, was it two assists and a goal? Or maybe I think just it ended up just being one, one goal and one assist. Okay, but was like very involved in some of the other really key plays there. Um, and I forgot to add this into the show notes, but I captained him on my fantasy team. And so I wanted to give an update on the uh, Moon Tower Soccer Fantasy League. I think I'm in like 7th or 11th place, so... Not terrible, but not great. But I wanted to give this a shout out to... I'm in 11th place right now. Did you check to see how you're doing, Jeremiah? I'm very middle of the pack in both of those leagues. <laughs> both the yeah the Austin FC League, the Los Verdes League, and the and the Moon Tower League. Um, uh, what, but the top points center this week... Actually, it's a tie. So Verde points haver and Corpor Verlitzung FC, both with 117 points. I was very proud of my 98 points or whatever I got and then looked up how much uh, other folks were getting and um, they put me to shame a little bit. But congrats to those folks for leading the league this week. Well, one of the quotes I picked up, because we talked about the midfield sort of collectively, and Alex Ring, dressed like a Bond villain, was in the <laughs> uh, post-game press conference. But he I thought was really good. sharp, man. He was. He was. He was. One of the things he said was, I think my attributes are complimentary of Seba and Danny today. I think it's important, especially in the midfield, to have the right mix, and I enjoy the freedom to go up top. I hope we continue this way. And I feel like that was the best summary of the way that they all played together today. And maybe that's why they should continue playing that way down the road, you know? I mean, if things don't work out the way that we all thought it would because Danny is playing really well, that's probably not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> um, all right, what about the subs? So uh, Gabrielson got, was it like 25 minutes 
Um, he looked Gabberson little... and Ethan Finley both got 25 minutes. Yeah, they both. I think Finley was like that game killing, um, game killing sub. I think the role that Stroud ended up playing pretty well at the end of the season last year, last year in a couple of games. Um, I see Finley as an upgrade to that. I think Finley's a better player than him, a, a similar type of player, just like a bit more refined. Uh, Gabrielson, I looked a little bit unsure at times, but I think you could see what he's capable of a few like pretty clever little passes uh his his physicality and athleticism i think you could you could see even if he was a little bit unsure at times um i'm ready to see the starting the starting center back pairing of gabrielson and keller in maybe this coming weekend but if not then soon and i think we will see it soon but i'm excited to see what this back line looks like with those two um fit and like with a few games under their belts to to really be feeling confident yeah i totally agree with that and i think like felipe played the role you want felipe to play absolutely come yeah. in late occupy some space cause trouble you know i mean kick he some did guys <laughs> yeah kick some guys i mean gt did that too like gta was a like an change of pace spark I mean, we didn't need to change the pace spark at the end of that one, but like he adds something different that I think he can do really well, at least at this point, for like 15 or 20 minutes, but you know, not 90. And I, I think the way that people are aligned really well sets him up to succeed, that Aruti can kind of wear people down, moving around and moving the ball, and then he can just like attack. Yeah, and Jite's hold-up play as well, I think could be really valuable when you're trying to kill a game off like that. Just you have that outlet valve if you're in trouble, just play it at Musa's head. And he will 99% of the time bring it down on his chest and be able to at least hold the ball up until somebody else can get up to support. That part of his game is really, really strong. So that that's something really awesome to be able to, to, to have that in your toolkit to bring out. Um, anything else about the Cincinnati game, Jeremiah? No, I think to summarize it, I quoted one of the Logans because there's at least three Logans that follow us on Twitter. I don't know which one <laughs> this one was. But, you know, best goddamn team in the world is where we are <laughs> oh it was logan bartlett who i met for the first time the other day at hop squad okay cool that's good one of the other logans is dressed as an avocado who i also met for the first time at hop squad so i was <laughs> i think that was logan jones i saw some i saw the logans all talking to each other at hop squad and i was like oh I, i'm gonna go talk to all the logans while they're together and i, I was like what what should you call a group of logans and my wife suggested a murder so they're they're now the murder of logans Awesome. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break, then we'll come back with that interview with Matt Doyle. For for those of you who don't know, Matt Doyle is a really experienced and really good writer for MLSsoccer.com, also hosts uh, one of the co-hosts on Extra Time, which is the MLS podcast. Uh, I, I am a big Matt Doyle fan. I've learned so much from him over the last few years uh, and really respect what he does. So I was Really excited and honored that he would take some time to hang out with us and talk. And I was really happy with how this interview went. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Matt Doyle. Austin's newest spot to enjoy food, fun, and football is now open. The Pitch, located next to Austin FC's training facility at 13,000 Harris Ridge Boulevard, has a little something for every fan. You can order from four different kitchens with unique cuisines, serving locally sourced food, as well as a selection of local beer and craft cocktails. 
or just settle down in front of one of their 35 big screen TVs to watch our Austin FC when they're on the road. So did you go, have you been to one of the opening events there? Not to the events. I went uh, after the the Chicago preseason friendly. I went over and me and Chris Bills had some some tacos and a beer. Okay, well that's yeah, it's good. So they're they're open eleven to eight Tuesday to Saturday right now, and you can visit pitchaustin.com for more. And I will also say that Jackson Bentley says that they make the best chicken quesadilla that he's ever eaten in his life, and that boy has eaten some chicken quesadillas. <laughs> I don't know if Chris sent you this photo, but Chris bills actually got the chicken quesadilla and whenever he ordered it you had already told us this about jackson and i was like i understand now why he (laughs) thinks like i thought it was hyperbole but this is this is a special chicken quesadilla uh so i think it's like yeah three or four different places you can get food from i i thought it was really cool so definitely go check it out you can get a 10 percent discount by entering the word goal that's g-o-a-l in the promo code field in the mobile ordering app on your next visit jeremiah i haven't said this in a while but let's talk about hot sauce i'm very excited to talk about hot sauce and if we're talking about hot sauce we're talking about teardrop pepper company hot sauce Teardrop Pepper Company has finally created the perfect recipe right here in Austin, Texas. Their all-natural, award-winning hot sauce has a delicious blend of flavor and heat, enhancing your favorite foods and leaving you wanting more. Whether you like the zesty kick of Golden Habanero or the garlicky smoothness of Supreme Serrano, it's the best way to spice up your Austin FC pre-match meals. Teardrop Pepper Company has two unique flavors available, and you can order from their website, teardroppepperco.com, or from their social media pages. You're about to get to use it to read an offer code again, aren't you? I am. Use the offer code GOAL, G-O-A-L, to save 10% off your order. Put it on everything. They'll make more. All right. We are joined by Matt Doyle from MLSsoccer.com and the Extra Time Podcast. Matt, thanks so much for joining us, man. Uh, it's my pleasure to be on, fellas. Uh, so we I reached out to you a while back to see if we could schedule something, and we kept catching you either at extremely busy times for MLSsoccer.com <laughs> or while you're on vacation. So um, did you get to do something fun in the offseason? I know during the season y'all y'all are super busy, and so did you get to do anything yeah. relaxing during that time? Not really. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, for, like the, the offseason was really short this year. This is the – February 26th is the earliest the MLS season has ever kicked off, for one. And for two, the the – the MLS cup was on the 12th of December. And then right after MLS cup, there's the, the um, re-entry draft and there was expansion draft and um, all of that kind of just keeps sort of snowballing into the, you know, super draft itself. And then, Oh, by the way, there's a U.S. national team camp. And then there's world cup qualifiers preseasons. All, so there was no off season to, to answer your question. There was no, and of course in the midst of all that, it, there was the Omicron surge, which, uh, like I, I still haven't gotten COVID and I'm trying not to get COVID. So I was, I was being very diligent about um, saying, okay, you know what? I'll just see it through another winter. Uh, and so I know I sat at home and I, I did a lot of work and I watched a lot of Netflix this off season. <laughs> so that was it. Yeah. What well, did you, maybe do you have a particular Netflix thing you'd recommend? And that was, that was your only brief respite. Yeah. Um, it's not Netflix, but it's actually, I think it's on, hulu uh but we have a friend with plex so we we borrow a lot of the media that we stream uh it's called the great uh it's it's a it's a fictionalized uh, account of catherine the great uh as ruler of russia in the uh the the 1700s uh it is 
absolutely the, particularly the first season but the the show itself is absolutely fantastic i highly highly recommend it all right um so listeners who aren't familiar with matt he's how, how long have you been covering mls a long time now right yeah so i've been in this job for a dozen years i've been covering the league in, in one form or another since 1996 since the league started um so it's been more than a quarter century a long time <laughs> uh yeah so because of that you have a, a lot of experience watching this league a lot of content like contextual knowledge to look at austin fc through and so um we're excited to get to talk to you because we we pay a lot of attention and know a lot of the ins and outs of the day-to-day of this team but we've really only been in the mls weeds for about two years at this point two and a half years we started ramping up before but um yeah, really just wanted to, to kind of get your take on that. So, uh, so this is from the season preview stuff. So we went through your 2022 season preview. You had Austin in tier five. And I don't remember what the specific defini- definition of that was, but it was something like murky waters or, or whatever, sent up around yeah. Dallas and some other clubs in that range. Um, so the upside of that seemed to center on how the Austin FC front office approached this offseason. Can you expand kind of on like the good part of what you saw out of Claudio and gang um, during this brief offseason? I think the good part is that they were very clear-eyed on, on what the team needed after last year. And in last year, it, the expansion season, I think, was promising in uh, a lot of ways, but it was um, pretty bad in a couple of very obvious ways. And the, those very obvious ways were they had no team speed through central midfield, very, I think, limited ball-winning capacity through central midfield um and the center back rotation was kind of a, a disaster um and they went out and addressed that now johan valencia didn't start in this first game uh it was against fc cincinnati so you kind of don't need him. um and it's very early days on kip keller and, and ruben uh gabrielson uh so who knows if those are actually the right pickups but the fact that they targeted the two spots that they obviously needed to target um, leads me to believe that they saw the same things that I did. Um, and obviously, if they're seeing the same things that I'm seeing, they must be very smart. Very <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. They followed yeah. the league for 26 years, <laughs> played in it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, well, and ultimately, I think you ended up picking them around 12th or, or, or so. Do you think that's more of a lack of progress from Austin or a statement on the rest of the West? Like, I feel like the West got a lot better around him even with what Austin did. Yeah. There's teams like three through 12 in the West. You could just put them on. They could throw a dart, you know, like, like you could talk me into any of them, uh, you know, having the type of season where suddenly they're, they're 55, 60 points. And, you know, you're talking about maybe a, a home playoff game and you could talk me into any of them like a key guy gets hurt or somebody suddenly old or somebody underperforms. And now we're talking about them on 40 points and like, Oh crap, maybe we need to blow it up. Um, in Austin's case, as impressed as I am in the, in the theory and in, in terms of what they went after this off season, you know, this is still what, a 30, 32 point team last year. Like I need to see more than theory before I buy that they're suddenly going to be very good. And the, the other part of it is that 
while they did get some striker depth, if you've been around the league for a while, you like there's a reason Maxi Aruti's been on 15 different teams. Right? He's he's a really good. He's a very very good defensive forward. He presses like mad. Um, he can pass the ball some. Uh, his shot pass decision making process has needed recalibration for a decade. <laughs> he he is is like he will just shoot from anywhere and it's it, like he kills transition moments. Um and he he'll often kill build up because he just he's just so selfish in those moments. Um and, and so while I think that they did right by getting another forward, I just if if you have if you're starting Maxi Aruti, I'm not going to pick you too high. That's just you know, <laughs> until until I see reason to think otherwise, I I just cannot get on that trade. He only took two shots the other night against Cincinnati, but yeah, I think that's more. That. <laughs> yeah, what there was there was one moment I remember specifically that I yelled. Maxi had it like I don't know twenty five yards out, and I yelled shoot, and he passed it to somebody, and I was like, whoa, maybe this is a different Maxi, but it's one game, so I'm not going to get my hopes up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I joked flat, or a few years back that the they, the league should change the logo to Maxi winding up to shoot from thirty five yards out. <laughs> Yeah, I had, my, I had my son really into it and ready for that. That's, that's kind of what I warned him about. But it was cold, too. Maybe he, his shooting leg wasn't warmed up too much yet. Um, yeah, one of the uh, players that you talked about that we think is probably the biggest key to Austin getting a lot better is Sebastian Giussi and having a whole season with him. Um, and I think you mentioned that you had him as a, maybe a sleeper, like MLS Best 11 player. Like, what, what do you see in him so far that makes you think that? Uh, I think he's clever about what he can do with the ball and he's pretty brave about wanting to get on the ball in the attacking third. Like he, he's willing to get on the ball in the toughest and most, you know, the highest leverage spots on the field. And if you have that and you have some skill uh, and you're willing to do some running off the ball, which he is and not all tens are, are willing to do that, um, that. That's a pretty good mixture right there. So I, I you know, it's almost like the Hani Mukhtar thing where, you know, if you, if you watch him play uh, just once, maybe you don't see it, you don't get the whole package and uh, it takes a little while longer to appreciate what he can do. But if you watch him over the course of, you know, six or eight games, you kind of get a better appreciation for how good this guy is. And, you know, for Jerusalem, I wouldn't, I, you know, I, I wouldn't bet on him, making best 11 there are a couple other you know tens or second forwards who i i think are probably a little higher upside uh but Driussi, it, like that's not a knock on Driussi. he's still a really really good player and um he might end up being the better player uh, you know there's nothing to say that i'm correct about like thinking emmanuel reynoso is a better player than Driussi. like Driussi might end up being the better player because that work rate is so high um, and that ability to, to not just sort of be a setup man, but to be a kind of a goal poacher as well. Like that's a pretty nice thing to have bursting out of midfield. Uh, and I think that with the way Josh Wolf wants to play, which is really highly structured, having a guy who could be an X factor off the ball in that way um, 
can end up being the type of thing that's a difference between, you know, eight goals, 12 assists, really nice year. And, you know, 12 goals, 14 assists, best 11. Holy crap. This guy is out there dominating type of season. Yeah. I, there are some s- similar players in the league that I think are probably more talented than him. But what we saw just in that half season last year, his uh, just his like game IQ, uh, his intelligence on the field, his leadership, even just like what we've seen in locker room stuff. He seems to be really well respected among the players. I would still pick him over a lot of those guys because of those those intangible or kind of off the ball things that you, you don't always see in the highlight reels. Absolutely. The soccer IQ is the the way to think about it. Um, And that is something that, um, you know, could have a uh, sort of a, an amplifying effect on the guys around him as well. And and so by that, like, I I think it was a really good signing so far. And um, certainly he looked at the other day too. Yeah. Yeah. He, 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 he looks pretty, pretty incredible. So I'm going to get into the instant overreaction segment of the interview. Now now that we've got one game in hand. So, Question one, are there four front offices that should feel really dumb for not taking Kip Keller in the Super Draft? Yes. Yes. (laughs) All four of them or just some of those four? Uh, So first was Charlotte. Yes, definitely. Second was Cincinnati. Yes, definitely. Who had the third pick? Um, Is that the one that got traded? It was either Houston or Dallas because we had... Did we end up with three of the top five inside the state of Texas? Yeah, I think Dallas, Dallas so traded Dallas three. Took, Dallas, Isaiah Parker, Dallas right? took Isaiah Parker third. I can actually defend that one because Parker has like national team upside as an attacking left back. So I, I don't think Dallas should feel too dumb. I do think that Houston uh, with the fourth pick should probably feel pretty dumb, pretty bad about that one. And it's not that I think that Kip Keller is the best uh, center back in the world. Um, but I think he, he's, it's pretty close to a sure thing that he's going to be a good MLS player. And one thing that, and here, I mean, if you want the institutional knowledge going back 26 years, um, if you have a chance to take the best domestic super draft, best domestic center back in the super draft, you should take that guy. You should, because like, whether it's Carlos Bocanegra, all the way back to Eddie Pope, Chad Marshall, Michael Parkhurst. If you get a guy like that, you get a guy that you can build title winning teams around. Um, and it's, you know, they come in at a friendly cap number. There's no worry about uh, learning the culture. And like, it's just a, a fact over the course of this league's history that high level college center backs have been able to translate into MLS within a year or two. And we're seeing, I mean, we saw it with, with Nashville a couple of years ago when they took Jack Mayer second overall, Daryl DK was still on the board. I don't crush Nashville for taking Mayer over, over DK. Mayer's going to be with that team for 10 years. You know, he's, he's probably going to be one of the better center backs in the league for 10 years. And if you can get a guy like that, I like, like, I don't, I don't see the point in swinging for the fences and on an attacker, the super draft, your ownership's always going to be willing to, to go out and and buy you a, a high upside attacking player, get that solidity there, get that guy who, who you can plug and play. So, I mean, Austin fans, 
I think you should be probably very, very happy um, with, with what happened in this year's Super Draft. And I guess we're also very, very happy and excited about Cincinnati and the result. How much of that is good, Austin, and how much of that is bad, Cincinnati? Uh, it, it looked like a, a pretty good combo of the both of them, though I, I will be a bit of a wet blanket and say that, that is, it was more Cincinnati than Austin. Um, you know, that, that first goal sporting all the way through to the back post, like that, <laughs> yeah. that was embarrassing. The, the second goal, um, was, was less embarrassing, but still not very good. The third goal, I, I think, I think your guys completed five passes in the box <laughs> yeah <laughs> like they looked like it looked like prime barcelona right there like that doesn't happen against a real mls team cincinnati's not a real mls team at this point so i i think certainly be happy five mil is, is amazing i i think that there will be growth with austin this year um but that result this weekend was an outlier based upon the orange cones you were playing against so uh, you mentioned Johan Valencia uh, not playing the other day. Danny Pereiro is who stepped in at the six. I know that you kind of had some opinions about uh, wanting to see Alex Ring maybe play in that six position, but they've been pretty vocal about the fact that he's going to be an eight this year. He's going to play up alongside Drew C. Do you think that a player like Danny Pereira can be an effective six in this league against better midfielders? Cause he looked damn good the other day, but I, I have concerns about whether or not he has the defensive bite yeah. required to actually be effective in that position throughout an entire season. So do I, uh, the defensive bite and the defensive range are, are the two things. And I, so I think he can play there. If you have an eight next to him, who's sort of all action, run everywhere, win the ball, hard man, like our tour, uh, for, for Columbus, he would be a, a good example or like Roger Espino prime Roger Espinosa for, for sporting Kansas city is like one of the best, um, it, sort of, uh, examples of, of that position being played at a high level. Pereira can do that with that type of guy ring is less that type of guy uh, or has been for the past two years than I think he used to be. And I think he's got an itch to push into the attack a little bit more. And um, when you can do that as well as he's done it for Austin, um, okay, uh, you know, reconstitute the team around that need a little bit and, and go from there. And while I think Pereira will get his minutes, um, I do expect Valencia, who has a rep as a as a ball winner and as a guy who can cover ground, I would expect to see Valencia get the lion's share of of those minutes at D-mid with Pereira as kind of a fill-in for both Ring and Valencia and maybe even Driusia a little bit because he, he has some skill going forward as well. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like being a really good utility player at a young age is – you know, it's a valuable role to fill. Um, and maybe in the end, he can grow into being like a full-time starter at one of those spots. But I don't think he's there yet. Yeah, I I think Danny does really well carrying the ball forward and then kind of distributing from deeper. But he's not as good defensively as we think Valencia is going to be. He's not as good in the final third as what Ring is. And so like wherever you put him, he's lacking a little bit of what one of those other guys can bring you. But I've said this before on the show, having 
uh, a guy off the bench like Danny Pereira is not a bad thing to have. So I, I think there's not really a reason for Austin fans to get that up in arms about who the starter is because they're all going to get lots of minutes. It's a long season. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I wanted to ask you about this real quick, the the Tomas Pochettino situation. Um, do you think getting rid of him after only that one season was was the right move? Do you think that was a wasted opportunity to not try to hold on to him and get more out of him this year? No, I think it was absolutely the right move. And that's what I, you know, part of what I was saying about um, the front office being clear eyed about assessing their team and the moves they made. Look, it, it, it takes, it takes guts to admit that you got it wrong with a DP, especially when it was, he was the first DP signing. So it, it takes takes guts to admit that but he did not fit he did not make the team better um you know i think he's good enough to be a starter in mls but maybe not in this system uh and when you have in Pereira a guy who's younger and doesn't hit the cap and brings basically everything pochettino brings and then valencia coming in to bring the stuff that pochettino doesn't bring um why would you hold on to him so i i think I, I I commend the Austin front office for not, um, you know, falling victim to the sunk cost fallacy. Like he's a good player. He's not a good player for Austin. They moved on from him and that's smart. And I think the team's better off for it. Okay. The last thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, Josh Wolf. So talking to, or like in interviews with folks who have worked with him in the past, his intelligence seems to be really highly respected, uh, like the, his tactical intelligence. But he really struggled with game management and per, maybe even some man management stuff last year. After a season of seeing him as a head coach, how do you rate him as a coach? And how long of a leash do you think he'll get this season? I would be disappointed if he didn't get the full year. Um, it, you know, Based upon what we saw last year and having heard him speak about how he sees the game and, and what he wants to build there. Um, you know, it, it like he, he seems like he has a pretty high upside as a, as a young coach. And um, now he has better pieces to implement uh, his principles of play. And I think those principles of play, like it's obviously very strong uh, sort of positional play approach. Uh, you know, that the fullbacks are going to get forward and, uh, you know that they're going to try to build from the back. Uh, very clearly, they're asking the center forward to do more than just poach in the box. Like all this stuff is, um, it's there to be seen, and it, you know it's it's not a mystery at all. And, and I think that the way it, it sort of came together over the course of last season and was elevated once Juicy and, and Jita were, were signed um, like, yeah, it, like he, he knew what he was doing. Um, now there are some, there are some learning curve issues with the new coach. Uh, and I don't think, like you said, I don't think his game management was all that great. Um, I hadn't heard about any man management issues, uh, but like that, the, that's it, all speculation. Okay. So. Well, it doesn't from the outside looking in, it never looked like a broken team to me. Like they never looked like a team that was giving up on the coach or each other. So I, I don't know where that speculation is coming from, but I haven't heard it. Uh, and, and I 
kind of feel like I, I would have. Um, so I, I, like, I, I don't give that one much credence. Um, uh, you know, barring a 20 point train wreck of a season, I like, you don't hire a rookie head coach for, with a very clear ideology for an expansion team in the expectation that you're going to have an Atlanta United or LAFC style first season, right? Like you, you, you hire him for a project, you hire him for something long-term. And, um, you know, to me, even unless it's just completely awful this year, even two years isn't long enough. Um, and maybe that's not what the fans want to hear, but that's the reality of the game. And that's the reality of, uh, the type of, approach that the front office took and i don't necessarily think it's the wrong one i I think it's something that can work um and if i was you know decision maker i'd be looking for uh progress as the the barometer rather than necessarily um a specific point total or anything like that yeah, um, going back to the man management thing, I think most of what we heard revolved around Tomas Pochettino, and so maybe that's another reason he's not here anymore. But um, I just looking at Austin's depth this year, there were games last year where we were bringing uh, Sebastian Berhalter, Aiden Stanley, Manny Perez. These were the guys we were bringing off in big games midweek. Like you pull off Diego Fagundes, and who's there? It's uh, like Jared Stroud was starting for us for half the season and he didn't even make the bench the other night. And so the fact that we have just so much more depth, even though we maybe didn't raise that top end, the depth is there. And I think it's going to make Wolf's job a little easier this year. So if we're struggling defensively in the midfield, okay, let's pull uh, Pereira, put in Felipe. Like we did not have that last year. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I'd like, Am I wrong to be optimistic about that? <laughs> no, I, I think you're absolutely right to be optimistic about it. Um, and it's something that can, you know, help the team uh, like just weather the grind of the, uh, of the regular season, which can, can really take it out of you. Um, and, and that's one. And, and for two, then, and this will be the, the, the Josh Wolf tie in is like, okay, when you have that type of depth, show me that you can use it to change a game and turn a loss into a draw or a draw into a win. Um, I don't think he really did that last year. Uh, to be fair, there aren't a lot of coaches in MLS who I think are particularly good at that. Um, but like, that's part of the growth process as well. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much, Matt. Any other, any other last comments for Austin FC fans? Uh, no, it's just nice to be on the show. Finally. I'm glad we were able to, to <laughs> you know, make time this time. So, all right. Well, we, we both really enjoy your work. Uh, keep it up. We'll be listening and reading all this season. But yeah, we really appreciate it. All right. Cheers, boys. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Matt. We're excited to announce that we're doing another ticket giveaway thanks to Sage Wilson Property Group. The last one uh, ended up, the winner ended up being a guy named Albert. He posted some photos of uh, of where his seats were got to be really up close to some of those those second half goal celebrations those seats look awesome uh, so I am very excited to be giving giving them away again yeah so if you want a shot to enter you can go to moontowersoccer.com click on the free ticket giveaway link in the top navigation bar or click on the link in the show notes and fill out the form this one is going to be for the inner Miami game on Sunday March 6th so we can almost guarantee better weather 
than the first one, but we cannot guarantee the same results. Entry must be submitted by 10 p.m. on Friday, March 4th in order to be eligible for this week's drawing. Again, this is made possible by our friend Eric Wilson at Sage Wilson Property Group. So if you or someone you know are in need of Sage real estate advice in Austin, Texas, you should talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. And as always, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FEF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FEF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to fef.law to find out what makes FEF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fef.law. All right, we are back. We want to thank Matt Doyle one more time for joining us. Jeremiah, let's jump into the preview of the next game against Inter-Miami. Yeah, let's do that. So Inter-Miami, they're in their third season in the league. They entered along with Nashville in 2020, and I think it is very easy to say that they're less successful of the two (laughs) expansion clubs that year. And who would have guessed that at the time, right? Like a year before the teams launched, I think you probably would have guessed uh nashville is maybe like a a middling team and inter miami inter miami is maybe like being like an atlanta or an lafc right yeah i mean they they had all the hype they have deep pockets they've got david beckham you know i mean they've got miami they had everything going for them seemingly up front and that just has not turned out that way and they're really an example of how not to build mls roster this is if you listen to allocation disorder uh Sam and Paul were talking about how Charlotte is going to be awful this year, most likely. And it's because they just like brought in all these people from outside MLS that thought they had a better way of doing it. And it, that time has been proven over and over again, that, that doesn't work. And that's absolutely the approach that Miami took. Yeah. So they ended up having too many DPs after their first season got caught. Um, there's probably teams who have done that in the past. Uh, maybe were a little bit more sneaky about it than Miami was, but I, I think they technically at one point they should have had five players designated as DPs when you're only allowed three. I imagine most of our listeners know that, but uh, so they got slapped with all these fines, had to offload a bunch of guys. So uh, Matias Pellegrini, a, a young guy, where did he end up going? He went back to Argentina. Is that right? Well, originally, they loaned him out to the USL club, and then I think he that's went back right. to Argentina. And that's like, <laughs> I mean, that poor guy, when I think about, you know, they brought him in on this DP contract. He didn't know anybody. There's a pandemic. He gets stuck. Like, he can't go yeah. home. Going to America, going to, like, yeah. make a big name for myself. and Yeah. yeah. I mean, you talk about somebody that just turned out bad for it through, I mean, again, like, through no, he didn't, he had nothing to do with that and just ended up in the worst possible situation. So they had all those issues last year. Yeah, and they had to make a ton of changes this year. Uh, to like slash our roster budget and and sort of deal with these sanctions that they got, so um, they have just they've been off to a bad start. And there's this stadium thing too. So you know they were going to have this, they've had this I don't soccer park concept that's I think it had like three different locations now that they were going to build it in. Um, they still don't have a deal with city council in Miami to even even pull this off. It's like a billion dollar stadium complex arrangement. So they're playing in Fort Lauderdale at Old Lockton Stadium. Uh, still to this day so it's just that's just an example too of sort of how the organization has not thrived in the way that a lot of people thought they would yeah so uh how did miami do in the 2021 season well in 2021 they finished 11th in the east uh they were what 10th in 2020 and then made the playoffs because that weird 
Because everybody made Play, the playoffs. Because basically everybody <laughs> made the playoffs. Hey, they were 11th, scored 36, allowed 53. So terrible goal differential. Uh, Gonzalo Higuain led them in scoring. He had 12 goals. And I think the next highest scorer on the team maybe had four. So he was most of the most of the offense. And which he was not the Higuain that thought he was going to come over and just like smoke cigarettes and hang out. That was his brother, right? Or was that No, him? that was him. Oh, it was him too? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, his brother is actually like... His brother's older, uh, Pipa, um, and is like comes off the bench for like little spot minutes. But yeah, it was Gonzalo who the quote was, I thought I was going to go over and play with a cigarette in my mouth. <laughs> um, 2022 season. So we mentioned them getting rid of Matias Pellegrini. Uh, they've gotten rid of more of those players this year. So Julian Carranza, who is another Argentinian guy they brought in, is now with... Uh, the Union, I believe. Uh, Blaise Matuidi, who was, I believe, the fifth designated player. Designated player, yep. Uh, there's been no real announcement about him, but from all peripheral reports that have kind of come out, he's not on the team anymore. Um, Rodolfo Pizarro, Mexican player that they brought in to kind of be their playmaker, he's out on loan as well. Is he the one that's um, with Reber? They, they send somebody else to play with Pochettino too, but it may, it's not him. I don't no, think so. I think, another... I think Pizarro's back in Mexico. Um, I don't, yeah, they might have someone there, but it's not him. I'm not sure who it would be. Oh, Pizarro's the one that went out on a free. And so they can't use his designated player spot because they got no money for his, <laughs> uh, for his transfer. So he's, they're not paying him, but they also can't use that roster slot. Uh, they did get DeAndre Yedlin in, which um, I think DeAndre Yedlin is going to be a really good player in MLS. I don't know that a right back is going to save your team, but I do think DeAndre Yedlin is going to be really good for him. Uh, most folks, most like MLS pundits aren't picking them to do very well this year. Uh, I think there's no reason to believe that. And again, back to allocation disorder, I think... They did get credit for having a really good offseason. Basically, it was because they just blew the whole thing up. They just kind of yeah. gave up on the roster build as opposed to sort of trying to adjust, you know, or trying to like incrementally make changes. They just like kind of threw their hands up and said, it's time to start all over again. With all those sanctions that they got, they essentially had a hole dug for them. They got penalized allocation money and roster spots and things like that. And so I think they've done a good job of like getting back to zero. But looking at their roster, and I like I was telling Jeremiah before we started recording that like we've been playing we've been paying a lot of attention to MLS for the last two years. I don't know who a lot of the guys who started for them on on like over the weekend are. Um, I think some of them are new to the league, but some of them like there's Mo Adams is a guy who's been bouncing around teams for the last few years. He wasn't good enough to get minutes for the fire two or three seasons ago. And they've been bad for a few years now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think, like I said, I think they've done well to like kind of reset their roster. But as far as like doing well this year, I don't know that there's a lot of hope for that. Yeah, and they didn't they didn't get off to a good start. I did not watch this match. They started with a nil nil draw versus Chicago, and from what I could tell, just from like reading online and stuff, it did not seem like a very good game. Yeah. So. Do we think Austin is going to make any changes to the lineup against Miami? I could see, um, like, Gabrielson, maybe he'll be ready 
for a start, but it still seems like a little bit early to expect him to go 90, maybe. I can see... I will predict that Gabrielson will start next to Cascante, and then the rest of the lineup will be the same as it was in game one. Okay, Luckily, so Dan, Danny if, I, if I'm again. Yeah, if I'm wrong, nobody will know, right? Like, <laughs> There's no record of this. Yeah, I, I think we see most of the same group. Um, yeah, we could... I, I honestly would like want to see Danny at the six again. I think we, we've got some some tougher games coming up. I think we play Portland and then Seattle uh, not long after this one. Maybe against a team like Seattle, we I would rather see Valencia get some minutes there against a, a really strong midfield to have more of a ball winner in there. Um, but against Miami, I, yeah, I kind of want to see Danny get a chance again and then use, uh, use Valencia as a sub. And then I want to see Gabrielson and Keller as soon as possible. Maybe this isn't the right time, but if it is the right time, I'm not going to be sad about it. Well, we can get, I mean, we can get into a thing about that, but that's kind of goes back to what you, when we were talking about Keller earlier with Julio, you know, you're going to get a couple screw ups a game. So if it was me, I'd be willing to give Keller a shot and say like, maybe he won't, or maybe he will screw up more than Cascante. But it seems like Josh Wolf has a lot of trust in Julio Cascante. So knowing that he's the coach, I don't think that we would see that change made this week. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Anything else before we wrap up, Jeremiah? No, this this is fun. We were worried about what might happen if we had to do a show after Austin lost to Cincinnati. So it's really exciting <laughs> to. I've been thinking for like three days about being able to record this and talk about all the goodness. And so hopefully we'll get the chance to do that again after the Miami match. Yeah, yeah for sure. Top of the table right now in Absolutely. the whole league. Yeah, that 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 five nil goal differential put us at the top, didn't it? Yep. All right. Well, we want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we also want to encourage you to become uh, a member of our Patreon. We would greatly appreciate that and would be forever grateful. Uh, if you want to continue the conversation, come find us on Twitter at LVHero87 and jbentley underscore ATX. And then also go to the Moon Tower Soccer page and vote for your favorite Austin FC smiles. We're in the second round. Uh, today, Tuesday, and then we'll be running the subsequent rounds the rest of the week. Um, we also encourage you to visit the strikertexas.com. Uh, what can folks look out for this week, Jeremiah? I think Phil West, as he will, will write a controversial article from time to time. And this week, he wrote one about for Q2 stadium sophomore season, consistency is key, which talked a lot about the food and about the beer and Andy Lochnane <laughs> talking about it's an interview with Andy Lochnane. Andy talking about the wide variety of craft beer available and the affordable pricing on craft beer. Um, I think people should just sort of take that in and then maybe read the Twitter reaction to that because <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of all over the place. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer. Uh, we'll be reviewing the Inter-Miami game and then previewing the first road game against Portland. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Muchas gracias. Bye bye.